0: Hello, and welcome back to the Evidence-Based Education podcast. My name is Jamie Scott, and this podcast is the first episode in a mini-series on teacher collaboration. It's a departure from the normal format of the podcast and is more like a fly-on-the-wall documentary, something we've not done before. Over this mini-series, we're following the journey of colleagues from the Dulwich College International Group of Schools, as they seek to enhance school-to-school collaboration through a collaboration network. We've been following the process and experience, as well as offering some food for thought and advice along the way. We're aiming to make this podcast useful to members of the Dulwich Collaboration Network through their journey and in real time, but also to any education professional with an interest in teacher collaboration, particularly across schools. So thank you to the Dulwich International Group for being the focus of this podcast in a truly collaborative spirit. In this episode, we're going to speak to two collaboration group leads about their role, and to Dr. Stuart Kind to hear about the notion of problem identification and how it might be useful in the early stages of the collaboration network. But first, I'm going to speak to Sean May, who is director of senior school across the Dulwich family of schools. Hi, Sean. Hi, Jamie. Please, um, could you tell us about the collaboration network? And apart from the obvious idea of collaboration what is the the sort of the why behind setting up this collaboration network
1: the drivers for us were actually very clear when i spoke to colleagues in senior schools all across our group they really understood that we're a one family of schools they wanted to connect with the experts across the group in their subject areas particularly and they wanted the opportunity to do so and they needed just some structure to be able to get on and do it so actually a lot of this has been driven by colleagues themselves requesting this as a natural part of their professional learning.
0: And what have you done Jean, to establish the collaboration
2: network?
1: What we've tried to do is reach out and create um, a network of leads. In the first wave we had leaders across various parts of senior school we also targeted uh, student support services so that people who maybe had a loan role then had a network. This year, we've really pushed on subject specific groups. And actually what we've done is tried to establish a team of collaboration leads who could then kind of become the architect of how the network would work for them.
0: OK, so you you've formed a framework, but you're not being prescriptive then in terms of what you want these groups to do. Is that right?
1: I think that's it's a great question. We do have a framework. It's very much a framework, very much an outline. And the key part for us was for people to determine how they use that autonomy. They want we want people to create their spaces, to innovate, to connect with people in an authentic way. So there's a level of framework, there's some pre-surveys, there's a toolkit. However, most of the innovation I'm seeing is coming from the collaboration leads or members themselves.
0: So you said um, get together in your groups, in these sort of sensible, organised groups and, you know, just do whatever you think you, you need to to kind of to be better, to learn from each other.
1: There is a framework for how you determine your priorities. So there are some kind of life hacks that we've given to one another about how you might arrive at a consensus for the focus for this year. However, that's fairly broad. So some will focus on ATLs, some will have a priority of a new curriculum. Others have actually, you know, lots of colleagues who are new to the group and they'll be helping to induct one another. The other thing that will also happen is some are going to experiment like science with data interpretation. So there's a variety of things going on. And yes, to your point, we did want that level of autonomy so that they could determine what those priorities would actually look like.
0: Excellent, and can you give us a sense of the sort of size and scale of this collaboration network?
1: Currently, we have 400 plus colleagues who are part of the collaboration network. We added sustainability, global citizenship and CAS recently. So what's also happening is as more people go to collaborate, other people who maybe want to innovate in a very specific area are also coming on board. So, yes, 400 plus at the moment.
0: And so that's 400 people across how many groups
1: the actual number of schools we have nine senior schools who I work with very closely and we have you know several time zones so we have Yangon and Seoul at our at our extremes and most of our schools are in China and of course in Singapore so yes nine schools who are participating in that those 400 colleagues are drawn from
0: nine schools and then you've got groups based on subject and leadership and um, other categories as well so is it, I'm trying to sort of do some sort of crude maths, are we talking 40, 50 groups a year?
1: We're talking at the moment around 47, 48, wow. but each time the daily total goes up.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. And um, I know you've said that this is kind of flexible and, you know, you want the groups to, to get together, to engage and, and have that autonomy, but do you have any sense of what you hope might come out of this?
1: I think the key thing for me is that there is a support network and a sense of team um, in order to support one another through blended learning and online learning and I think that's been very key for us so some of the priorities are quite self-evident and I think the other key piece that will arise naturally will be even though we're teaching different curriculum from one another, what are our learning principles and how do we actually use those in the classroom to improve student experience. And also, in turn, how do we improve, you know, teacher experience and what professional learning should look like? Because it probably is an area that we want to innovate in. We already have in the last few years, but we want to take that even further.
0: So, Sean, my my final question before I go off and speak to collaboration leads, Hilary and Tom, what are the next steps for the network now that it's up and running?
1: The next practical steps will be a sequence of meetings one of which will start on the September the 7th and actually the next steps are already moving so even though that structure is in place actually what I'm already seeing is that collaboration is already happening amongst our leads and some participants so people are naturally innovating in terms of how they do their team site or sharing surveys that they've developed or even just sharing icebreakers and ideas. So actually it's it's a strange feeling. No no team has met fully yet, but already we're seeing those kind of early signs, the shoots of, of innovation and also support where people are providing solutions to one another. So it's very exciting to see which way this will go. And yeah, I'm very hopeful. And also, as I say, very excited.
0: Thank you, Sean. I'm going to go off now and speak to Hilary, and then Tom to find out how they're feeling about the the first meeting and what they have planned for it. Thank you, Jamie. Hi, Hilary. Hello. Hilary, you are one of the many people to have taken on the additional volunteer role of collaboration lead. But before I ask you about that, what's your main role? What's your day to day job?
3: Uh, So my main job is I'm head of history at Dulwich College, Singapore. Um, I've been here for one year and I'm just about to start my second year.
0: So moving on to the the collaboration network, you have the role of collaboration lead. And so I was just wondering if you could explain in your own terms what what you think that role is and why you've taken it on.
3: Um, So I think the role itself um, is quite exciting because it doesn't necessarily have a very clear definition in terms of we can kind of take it in whatever direction we want to um, based on kind of the feedback that we get and what the group are interested in and um, the main role is basically to lead the subject group across the Dulwich College International Schools um, in some cases there are co-leads to a group if it's a particularly big subject and um, some subjects are just led by one so for example in history um, I'm going to be co-leading it uh, with Stephen from Zhuhai um, And kind of the reason that I took it on um, was initially I was communicating with Sean about e-learning and she came to observe a few of our online lessons um, back in sort of April, May. Um, And we were talking about the kind of challenges we were facing. And she mentioned this opportunity to collaborate across different schools. And that just seemed like the perfect thing to me at that point where we were kind of facing the same challenges across all these different schools and we just thought it'd be really great if we could kind of connect uh, and sort of join up different ideas that we were having. Um, and then kind of more broadly, the reason why I personally was kind of quite excited um, was this idea of the kind of wider network of school. So in Dulwich College, we talk a lot about this idea of a family of schools um, and kind of a network. Um, and so far, there hasn't been that much opportunity to kind of use that network. Um, and hopefully this will be a way that will make it kind of more structured uh, more regular rather than kind of one-offs and a lot of the different schools have very different contexts so it'll be interesting to see what we can learn from them and it should be just quite an exciting opportunity for a bit of innovation and then this wasn't really why i initially took it on but we had this uh, kickoff call to kind of introduce all the different collaboration leads to each other from the different subjects Um, and in that we had some kind of professional learning from different uh, sort of educational specialists and one of them was talking about John Hattie's list of effects on student achievement Um, and apparently in his most recent list he's put collective teacher efficacy ranked first in terms of impact on student achievement so that definitely has kind of continued my motivation to be part of the group.
0: Yeah absolutely okay so you've mentioned there in your answer um, a number of things that could be seen as challenges. I guess there's different colleagues in different countries, different time zones, and this is all against the backdrop of a kind of pandemic that that hasn't gone away. What what do you think the biggest challenges are gonna be for you and your group um, in this collaboration effort?
3: Um, Yeah, I completely agree with kind of the points that you were making there. Um, Definitely the context of the schools. So like our school, for example, is completely backed full time but we've got a few students still on e-learning in terms of kids who are in quarantine or kids who haven't been able to join yet. Um, I know some schools are kind of still on mostly e-learning. Some schools are doing blended learning. Um, You know, who knows what we will go back to if there were to be different waves. So I think that context is quite difficult, like in the short term, Um, but also I think the context more widely. Um, So for example, the different curriculums that schools have um the different topics so within history you could be teaching completely different topics from completely different regions of the world completely different time periods so kind of figuring out what we can share between that Um, even things like ability levels literacy levels the heritage of the students that we're teaching Um, i think all of those kind of differences could be a real advantage but i think will be challenging to figure out how to make everything fit together from a kind of teacher perspective Um, I also think the online communication between the team members will be, like you said, a challenge. I think communication online, even though it's made all these advances, is still not the same as having like a meeting in person. So we're not sure about the numbers of the groups. So if the numbers are too large, I think it would be difficult to kind of hear everyone's voices. Um, So that could be a challenge as well.
0: What, what are your early ideas for getting the group going? You mentioned there that one of the um, attractions to the role is that it's you've got a lot of autonomy to, to kind of work with the group, to hear what everyone wants to work together on and how to take that forward. Uh, There's not a prescriptive model as such, but what are your early ideas? How are you going to get started, do you think?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be quite difficult to make sure that everybody feels really connected because obviously we've never kind of met each other and like you said I think people are you know teachers are so busy that I don't want it to feel like something that they kind of have to do or something that's a drain on their time I want it to feel exciting and I want it to keep feeling exciting Um, so we were talking about finding some kind of shared vision that we keep coming back to so people remember the why behind what we're doing rather than just seeing it as a thing that we are doing. Um, We were also talking in history about potentially doing a pre-survey, so before the first meeting, sending out some kind of form so that people can identify what their biggest challenges are, and then hopefully we can kind of see the common points, and by approaching it from people's challenges, I'm hoping that will get a lot of buy-in because people will see it as a solution to problems rather than like another task to do on top of what they're already doing, if that makes sense
0: kind of almost want an early win which sort of lends itself to doing something that's quite achievable in a short space of time but then you also want to not be doing stuff for the sake of it and you want to be working on big problems and challenges that are really going to make a difference to to people's working lives so yeah there's it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out and this almost feels like a a sort of fly on the wall kind of podcast but um yeah that all sounds great and I think One thing people do well is to sort of come together and talk about um problems or sort of shared challenges and hopefully that galvanizes everyone when you people can see that there's there's a potential solution there if everyone works together
3: yeah definitely and actually on the point about kind of having that bigger vision but also the smaller tasks we were talking about the idea of kind of each meeting referring back to that big vision so people remember the purpose behind everything but then also having really measurable goals And we were talking about how it's going to be really difficult to measure things because of the different contexts but trying to find ways that we can have you know clear outcomes between each meeting rather than just this kind of huge innovation trying to kind of narrow yes. it down to more achievable points
0: yeah i totally agree i think that's going to be really really important so that people can see the progress that you're making along the way um, yeah. It's amazing how many parallels, I guess, there are to just kind of how you support students in their learning as well, you know, um, seeing that they're making progress and, and getting, knowing what the goal is and, and knowing how to get there.
3: I'm hoping there'll be a lot from the collaboration group that we can apply back to the teams within our schools and, you know, potentially cross curricular teams within our own schools. Hopefully the kind of similar methods that are successful in the collaboration group will also be successful, you know, like within the history department or within the individuals and societies department, um, or even kind of within senior school.
0: Yeah, absolutely, okay. Well, thank you very much, Hilary, um, for your time and good luck with your first couple of group meetings. And um, we'll be coming back to you hopefully some way down the line to find out how things are going.
3: Great, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. Thanks Hilary,
0: take care. Bye Tom. Bye Jeremy. Before we talk about the collaboration network, tell us uh, briefly where you're based and what your main role is.
4: Yeah, so I'm in a classroom in Beijing at the moment because I'm the head of science at Dalwich College Beijing. It's an interesting time. I've just come out of two weeks' quarantine in Chengdu and finally okay. got back to school. So it's been quite a hectic 24 hours or so. But good I to bet, be here.
0: Yeah. Good, yeah. Seeing people rather than just sort of living in, um, in, in a box.
4: It's that a must be very strange. yeah yeah getting used to it slowly
0: okay so i'm gonna ask you the same questions that i put to hillary and it'll just be quite interesting i think to see what if any difference there is in your answers so my first question is sort of in your own words um what to you is the role of the collaboration lead which is the role you've taken on and why have you taken it on
4: um so i think our roles are facilitators um, I think it would be stretching it to say that I have any kind of expertise that I could be sharing with the other with the other members of the team it's more that someone has to provide a kind of structural framework for collaboration to occur within and just kind of have that responsibility to have oversight to make sure we're still focused on the goals that we've we've kind of Co-determined um, and and create that culture or that environment where where everyone's ideas can be shared. Um, but yeah, very much very much a kind of as I said, facilitator rather than rather than anything yeah. more didactic.
0: Yeah, and so what what I, I don't know if you were uh, if you volunteered or you were voluntold, but um, why did you take <laughs> the role on?
4: Uh, yeah, so it was uh, the, the opportunity was put to me, and I thought it sounded really interesting. Um, because I think, you know, you, as you go through your career, you start off just focusing on your class, um, and then you kind of expand out a little bit. You look, you look to get support and collaborate with other members of your department. Then you kind of go cross curricular, um, and the logical next step, I suppose, is is considering strengths from different schools and and trying to uh, work with them to see how you can get a different perspective from stuff that you're doing. Because I think there's there's huge similarities between what we're doing in different schools, but everything every institutions a bit unique and I do tend to think there must be an enormous duplication of effort across across different schools um, and it'd be really good from this collaboration group to identify if, if certain places are doing things in a way which other schools should be adopting. Um, yeah. Obviously the ideal would be that, that kind of we co-construct something that takes the best from each of our different places of work and uh, and build something which will work for all of us.
0: Okay so going into the um to the, the start of staff of this initiative. What do you think are gonna be the biggest challenges for you?
4: I think we've got two kind of sets of challenges. One is just the standard issues that come from collaboration, but the other is the fact that this is kind of an inaugural scheme and there are, there isn't a blueprint that we're operating from, which is exciting, yeah. but it also brings its own challenges. I think in terms of just the standard stuff with collaboration, it is gonna be the fact that again speaking about different schools people have very different priorities and um, you might be talking on a Monday where you've had a free afternoon where you're able to plan exactly what you were hoping to achieve in the meeting other people that might land right on the day of report deadlines and you know those are the making sure that the structure is is um, planned out well enough that all members are going to be able to participate yeah. effectively uh, that's that's important but um, you know quality of of effort and input is going to be important to monitor but these are things that i'm sure affect collaboration across all different sectors um in our specific situation uh, as the inaugural kind of collaboration for science um i think what is what is going to be difficult is we don't have something to refer to to say well it was done this way last year how do we iterate yeah. um and, and obviously this is aiming to be a multi-year project so the you know, if we were to, if we were to speak in a year's time, I'd be talking about iterating what we've what we've produced. Yeah. So this year is quite exciting because it is a bit of a blank slate, um, and there's going to there is going to be a challenge in terms of uh, constructing something which which is going to be of benefit to to the students, obviously primarily, and the the people working in, in each institution is collaborating. But yeah. I'm, I'm quite excited at that challenge. I think by that challenge.
0: Yeah, well, I, I think so. Like, you, there's a lot of autonomy there, and there's yeah. nothing being prescribed, as far as I can tell. So, what are your early ideas for getting the group going? And you know, what are you going to do? How is it going to start?
4: Yeah, so I think um, it's really important, first of all, to to remember that you're taking up other people's time. Um, as yeah. uh, you know, as in this lead position. Time is very precious for everyone at work, and when you multiply that by the number of people in your group, it's, it's, you've got to be quite, quite certain that the things you're, you're asking them to do are worthwhile. That being said, I think there's no point in getting started without setting up quite a clear culture. Um, I think you know, what, we disc- what we discussed in the first question, um, making very clear what we're, tr- what we're trying to achieve, um, you know, my role, for example, uh, how, how, we're, how we're going to be working together, agreeing some norms, I think that there is, there is serious merit, even if you've only got six meetings through a year, certainly taking the best part of, let's say half an hour as a minimum to discuss what it is we all want to achieve out of the group and the expectations we have of each other. That's yeah. really important. Um, I do think that given, as I said, it's, it, there's, there's no blueprint at the moment, uh, I think a good place to start is, is just really getting the uh, impressions of everyone else in the group as to what are the challenges they face uh, and what, how they believe we could make the provision that we have in our schools better, uh, some problem identification really. But I don't think it's uh, that's going to be effective until those initial norms and expectations have been agreed.
0: Yeah, and you've given me a beautiful segue into a conversation later in the podcast with um, my colleague Stuart Kine, where we're going to talk about problem identification. So that's awesome. Thank you very much, Tom. Um, Good luck with your uh, initial meetings and we hope to come back to you later down the line to see how things are going. Thanks, Jamie. Hello, Stuart Kahn. Hello, Jamie. Stuart, I would like to talk to you today, please, about the ideas of problem identification and how they might be helpful for these Dulwich International Collaboration Groups and I just would like a, a brief introduction from you on what it is and why it might be a good place to start.
2: Okay, um, I'll do my best. So problem identification is, is really about getting to the um, uh, the root cause of something you might be seeing in a school, um, which you might refer to as a problem, but which actually probably is actually the sort of symptom or outcome of a problem. And what I mean by that is Um, Say for instance you've got a group of children and um, some of them are not especially good at certain areas of mathematics. They haven't developed uh, particular skills or or knowledge in mathematics and so we say that um, you know that's a problem. They have a problem with mathematics particularly maybe I know they've got a problem with division or uh, multiplication or something to do with algebra but you know that I see that not really as the problem, but um, as one of the outcomes of a problem. So problem identification then would say, well, you know, what's missing here? Is it, you know, do they not know something? Have they not practiced something enough? So I would then kind of be going back down that kind of causal chain to say, well, if what I see is to be believed, i.e. they're not very good at doing this thing. Then what are some kind of likely causes of that? And then get to the heart of it, which I would refer to as the problem, if you like, um, and um, and see whether or not we can kind of drill down and be more specific um, about something, you know, once identified that we could actually deal with and try to remedy. So that's what I think about when I talk about problem identification.
0: And so the second part of the question, how do you think it will be helpful to the collaboration groups?
2: Um Well, I guess, you know, all all of the work that collaboration groups do um, across the colleges should be targeted, should be efficient, should be effective. Nobody wants to waste their time. Um, And there are so many opportunity costs that arise whenever we do anything. You know, if you do one thing, then you're probably not doing something else. So if you're going to spend time you know, working in collaborative groups to try to improve um, outcomes for students and outcomes also for teachers, then, you know, spending your time in this first kind of early stage of saying, well, you know, what what problem even are we trying to solve here um, is, I think, really important in, in making sure that, you know, nobody's wasting their time and, and wasting other, you know, resources.
0: Yeah, okay, so let's try and get into it in a little bit more detail now. I mean, this is something I've heard you talk about in direct relation to our work. So, mm. when we're speaking to a client, a group of schools, or whatever it might be, mm. and um, let's say I have a chat with them and I go to you and say, Oh, they want to do this. And then you ask me a series of kind of uh, uh, let's call them <laughs> awkward questions or, or questions where I then feel awkward and say, Oh, so why do they want to do that? And then, why do they want to do that? And then, all of a sudden, you find yourself not really understanding the root as you say of the yeah. problem and actually that process um is is really helpful and i've kind of thought about this in in the past as well but maybe look at it at it a different ways kind of mm. if you ask someone why five times you either get punched <laughs> in the face or you, you get a load of really useful information so tell us a bit more about the kind of um the, the detail of it if you like
2: okay okay so right well let's start with the end <laughs> um where we're trying to end up with is confidence. Um, confidence that, you know, the, the issue that we've kind of found is, you know, is actually really a problem and it's really important and it's a, you know, a priority. Um, and, you know, that kind of confidence really depends on two key factors. Firstly, The kind of um you know the relevance and the rigor of of the information that you know that you're using um to to kind of you know identify that that's a priority so you know if you've got good data to indicate that this really is a thing if you like um you know, does it tell you anything like really useful about the problem that you actually are kind of perceiving? And then the other part of it, the other factor is the plausibility and the credibility of your own interpretation of that data. So, you know, you kind of look around and you might, I don't know, um, uh, look at, you know, uh, like lesson observations or um, pupil um, attainment data or student um, like you know, student voice surveys and things like that. And really to kind of get to the heart of, you know, whether or not there is a problem and then to say confidently that that is a real issue and a priority issue you've got to have good information you have to have dependable data that's you know relevant and then your own interpretation of that data needs to be plausible and credible otherwise you know you kind of um, you run the risk of uh, making a decision that something is an issue to be you know for people to spend their time on when actually it may not be um, and at worst, you've kind of ended up looking in completely the wrong direction. Um, yeah. So we've got to get to that point where, you know, we're confident uh, and that the issue, you know, is truly worthy of the time, effort and other resources that people are going to put into it.
0: And I think for me, the other side of it is that, that the process draws out real clarification across a group as well. Yeah. yeah. And. I think where sometimes that's i, I want to call them surface problems you know the the immediate one that suggested oh let's do this because this yeah. is a problem once if, if enough people ask why is that a problem and then you get a bit more information and say oh so why is that happening yeah you do find out much much more that then informs the the actual solution that you go with and, and the way you go about kind of solving the problem if you like
2: yeah yeah no agreed and i think you know, it, it should be a kind of, you know, an inclusive process because, um you know, different people have different bits of the jigsaw puzzle that you need to put together to mm-hmm. arrive at that point of confidence in saying, you know, this really is a is a thing. You know, classroom teachers have insight that middle leaders don't. Senior leaders have insight that middle leaders don't. And, mm-hmm. you know, these things kind of work in, in you know, in a, in a connected system.
0: I think as well, it's a, it's a really good way to frame the start of what these collaboration groups have to do. So rather than you can imagine two scenarios, we, we come together as a group and you have a, a first mm. meeting, it's like, what amazing, great things could we do? And that's almost a little bit too daunting. It's like, oh God, um, I don't know, let, let me yeah. have a think. But if you come around it from the, from the angle of problem identification and go, guys. How's it all going? What are your biggest challenges? What are your biggest problems? The yeah. conversation starts more easily because, I don't know, it's, it's easier to come at it that way. As long as it doesn't get too negative and, and go off you yeah. know, into a deep, dark hole, you then get information. Go, oh, I've got that problem as well. And I find yeah. it a real challenge, but I've just never had the time to overcome it. But then as a group, you may have that collective time or collective working memory, as you put it, But, yeah, it just feels like it could be a good a good conversation starter as well as anything.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, I think so. And, and you know, if it starts with where people are at right now, then, Mm. you know, you you, instead of kind of imposing something upon them, you you just kind of come alongside Teachers are just natural problem solvers. It's what they do each and every day.
0: Just to end on problem solving, I think you and I have talked about this in the past when we've been talking about a a bit of work for a a customer. I think you you almost fed me a question that that enabled us to get sort of under the surface of of what it is that they wanted. Um, Can you sort of not give us that question necessarily, but, but just sort of, I don't know. Maybe um, give us an example of, of, of how you sort of mm. go de- deeper into that.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think whenever you're you're kind of engaging in in you know doing this, you need to kind of try to be uh, or, or get to as you know as greater specificity as you can because the confidence to act comes from you know um narrowing things down not just to to kind of say yeah you know this is a problem but to saying well for whom is it a problem mm. and when is it a problem and where mm-hmm. is it a problem So I'd definitely be asking those questions. Well, you know, what's what's my first question is, what's the problem? But my Mm -hmm. second question is, is that really the problem or Mm -hmm. is that actually an outcome of the problem? So we kind of track back and then go down into the details of for whom is it a problem? When is it a problem? Where is it a problem? You know, really kind of get into into the nature of of the thing. Um, And then, you know, kind of coming out the other side of it just to kind of, um, you know, get people talking about, well, all right, well, what would look better? You know, what would be better? What would sound better, smell better? You know, what could people do better if this problem were no longer a problem? What would success look like? like basically and you really kind of work hard to just you know have these these kind of two uh two sides to the coin on the one side you've got this detailed look at what the you know the problem is and for whom and where and when and all that kind of stuff and then on the other side of it you you kind of really specify uh, if this weren't a problem if this was not actually happening anymore this is what we would see so then you set out a whole bunch of success criteria for you um and then as you start to plan you know whatever your response is to that problem you've got a kind of an Anchor point for knowing whether or not you've, um, you know, you've had the impact that you you wanted. Okay, well let's
0: bring it to a close there, Stuart. Thank you very much. I'm sure we'll be coming back to you um, further down the line in this uh, series of podcasts on collaboration. Thank you very much. Thank you. That's it for this episode, the first episode in the teacher collaboration series. We're going to be coming back to this group in another three, maybe four podcast episodes to find out how they're getting on what they're working on and how. Thanks for listening and do make sure that you subscribe to be alerted to any future episodes.